I apologize in advance for the first 60 seconds of this podcast. After that, the audio quality is way better. Thanks for your support. This is episode this is number episode 412 of the Interfight Podcast. Welcome back to all of our regular listeners. And for those of you listening to the show for the first time, this is the Health and Fitness Podcast, the biggest podcast about health and fitness. In the Middle East. Middle East. Yeah, man. It's been yeah, a man. long been ride so far. Ride. We should have, a, should have a, like a medal for that. Like a medal for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing something on my Instagram a few weeks ago about uh, participation medals. Oh, God. No, we shouldn't have a participation medal for that. We should do a podcast on those. We should do a podcast on those. Folks, big shout out to our sponsors, Smith Street Paleo, all the yummy food. If you're not on one of their meal plans and live in Dubai or in Abu Dhabi, you should get on one. And if you're an international listener... Uh, you should come uh, to Dubai and get one. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say we'll send you some food. We'll but ship you, but that yeah. actually makes it a little bit tricky, doesn't it, mate? First for us today, we have a guest on the line who's just been listening to absolute for the last minute or so. A guest on the line, Bridget Slocum from Australia, our first female cyclist. Yep. So we're going to jump in, Bridget. Thanks a lot for joining us, Melbourne, Australia, all the way down there. How's things? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me on board. Not at all. Mate, it's random how we meet through one of our mutual friends and previous podcast podcast superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about this just before we came on the show. I think this is the most interesting thing, how we actually... Can can you go through how we sort of connected and how Monty put us together? Because I think it's actually quite cool. I think it's, it's a lot about why we do the show and how people connect through sport, through health and fitness. So you hit it. Yeah, so um, I met Monty uh, down at the Party to End All Parties in Australia um, in January, which is the Tour Down Under in Adelaide. Um, so the entire cycling community of Melbourne uh, descends on Adelaide uh, for a week and sort of fills up their coffee shops and takes up all the roads and annoys all the drivers immensely. Um, and you basically, you ride all day and drink all night and you occasionally watch the professional cyclists. Um, so uh, Monty uh, is working with a mate of mine, Ian, uh, at another cycling brand, sort of running... Um, another party host and uh, I met him down at the Tour Down Under and he said, hey, if you want to learn anything about me, listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good hit up line. That is that's a good icebreaker. Uh, like, yeah, that's a good icebreaker. Don't speak to me right now. Just go and check out my podcast and uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk tomorrow. He, he actually made me watch the video version as well. Oh, really? Did he say it was the most listened to show and stuff like that? He did. He said Marcus told me it was the most popular podcast. Oh my god, folks! If you're wondering which show we're talking about, just hop back a few episodes. Podcast number three eighty two, where we spoke Oasis bikes and life with Andrew Monty Montgomery. Which, as Bridget said, there he's now working for Map Cycling Apparel. I want to jump back to what you just said because that's something that the, the cycling festival down in Adelaide. The way you just put it sounds like the ultimate sort of sporting dream. If you're obviously into cycling, it sounds absolutely epic. You just you ride all day, have fun, drink coffee, and then drink other stuff in the evening. 
Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't think there's any cyclist left in Melbourne in the third week of January. Um, <laughs> there's this, you know, a, a teammate of mine couldn't go because of work commitments, and she signed out of social media for the week. <laughs> really? Really? Um, when you say teammate, yeah. is that like a professional team, or what kind of team do you ride for, or group, or um, whatever? Yeah, so look, I write for a, for an amateur um, sort of local team. Um, so we're sponsored by a, a local company called Black Sheep Cycling. And they've got a couple of teams uh, around uh, Australia, and they sort of hit us up with a free kit and um, an Instagram account, and say, "Go on, and you know, go on. Um, really, <laughs> do free marketing, um, go, go and you know, go and you know, pin a number on, do some races." But what they what they really want from us is to really create a positive image around women's racing and women's cycling. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the the brief for us. Well, let's, um, let's talk. Let's talk about that. How did you get into cycling? Because I think women's cycling is something that's just coming so strong at the moment, and it's it's. I mean, it's awesome to see. Mm. Um, yeah, I started cycling about six years ago. I was sort of doing like I don't know if you have them in Dubai. We have these spin classes yeah. um, <laughs> at the gym. Oh, we got those. <laughs> And um, the instructor goes, man, you're really strong. You should do this thing called Around the Bay. You know, and at the time, I thought I was so cool, like, signing up to do Around the Bay. It's, it's a 240-kilometer um, ride that sort of wow. goes around the, the, wow. the bay um, wow. of, of Victoria. Um, and, you know, now nobody who actually rides bikes <laughs> in Australia tends to actually do the Around the Bay. It's, it's what we call, you know, the, the, the Hubbard's ride. Um, <laughs> and you get a lot of kind of super fluoro and, uh, you know, um, rear view mirrors. Um, but it was, it was quite an achievement for me at the time. I had a very sore bottom at the end of it. And, um, I mean, 240 kilometers, um, that's not a – I mean, that's a pretty solid ride, huh? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's pretty much dead flat. Um, and it's on the sort of what we call the beach road, which is the the, um, the road that everybody kind of rides on if they don't like hills. And um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good entry kind of Grand Fondo um, ride. And um, did that for the first year, and then swore I'd never do it again. And um, I was really lucky to meet um, a girlfriend um, who had previously raced track for the Commonwealth Games, but hadn't ridden for a few years and, and she sort of I was fit and didn't know what to do uh, I was a self-confessed Hubbard um, and she was unfit and was a very very good bike rider so we sort of I helped to get fit and she helped me learn how to ride a bike wow. what is, um, like what is the barrier of entry for like cycling what like obviously you need a bike but like how much do you need to invest and like because I, I think a lot of people like I think biking biking is super cool but I don't really know like how much should I invest and like How many times a week should you ride and, you know, like how do you get connected with people, etc.? Yeah, look, I think um, it's very easy to spend a lot of money on bikes. You know, I mean, you, you can spend <laughs> you can oh, yeah. 300 on a bike or you can spend 20 grand on a bike. Yeah. Um, the, I think the advice I'd say for anyone getting into cycling is, like, don't spend too much money to start with, you know. Get a second-hand bike or borrow a bike or, you know, um, start entry level and see if it's something you're into. Um, you know, the other thing with apparel, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that are doing amazing things and making really beautiful technical clothing. But again, if you're just starting out, you don't need 
the latest and best clothing. You know, you don't need to spend money to actually get on a bicycle. You know, yeah. it's, it's effectively a mode of transport. It does make you look and really cool, though, if you fashion, have a huh? super flash bike and really sick lycra. Purple uh, socks. And yeah. I, I think when I started cycling, I was up to 24 <laughs> pairs of socks. Monty actually stitched me right up, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> But <laughs> well, he's in the sales industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's the thing. But look, you know, I, I, I think there's, in answer to your question, you know, um, what, what makes a cyclist? I mean, you don't have to be racing two or three times a week um, like, like we do over the summer and riding every day to be a cyclist. You know, you, you can ride once a week. You can ride, you know, slow. You can ride on beach road. You can ride a $20,000 bike or ride a $500 bike. And, you know, th- there isn't really a barrier to entry other than just getting on a bicycle. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the nice things, and that's what we sort of wanted to link a little bit to as well. This whole concept, which actually was a little bit alien to me, um, of coffee ride. And <laughs> I remember when I first started riding, like, these guys like, come for a coffee ride. I'm like, what the hell is that? They're like, oh, are you going to ride? It, it, was, it was in Dubai, so they ride from the bottom of the stick, they ride to Babel Shams, which yeah. is only about like 30k. And then we have coffee, and some guys have a croissant and pancakes, and then we ride back. And I was like, why would I want to do that? I, I just, I but it actually, it, it started, and I guess, and down in Australia, and especially in Melbourne, like the coffee culture is huge. So, is it something that's really social as well, like, and, and provides a, a nice community on that level for you guys down there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, we have coffee rides. We also have shop rides. So most local bike shops will run a weekly ride as well. Right. Um, that, that generally ends in coffee at a coffee shop. <laughs> but um, there's, there's sort of um, – the, the coffee ride is generally a Friday morning here. Right. So, you know, everyone will do their serious training in the, you know, midweek. There will be a coffee ride on, on Friday where we sort of just have a cruisy ride. We, we call them the, um, the short ride long coffees, which is hashtag SRLC. That's all. Um, okay. So you do you do, you do like a twenty five k ride and then um, and then pull up to the coffee shop and then you know you sort of rested for racing the weekend um, right. or you know if you're going off on a, on a long adventure. Yeah. And those those rides are certainly a great place to um, not only meet other cyclists um, yeah. but also get a lot of Instagram photos. <laughs> if that's your if that's your thing. Um, Absolutely. We we have a we have a little Facebook group in Melbourne called Girl Ride Melbourne. Right, and there's probably about 400 members in the group, and we have this Friday coffee ride that was started by this wonderful woman, Kaz Whitehead. Um, She designed the route. She put the map up on the on the Facebook group, and any females allowed to come along. There's a start and an end, and you know we all have coffee at the end point, and regardless of how fast or slow you are. you know, there'll, there'll be someone there who's riding at your pace, um, yeah. and there's coffee at the end, which is um, do you think yeah, it's, it's a really nice environment. To sort of build the, more of a cycling community than before, because I, I I know previously when that concept wasn't around, you'd sort of join a cycling group, you'd get spat out the back after like five minutes if you were lucky, and you'd never see the guys again, and then you'd find another cycling group sort of the next week. But if you're waiting, <laughs> it was slower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> quite a lot slower. But if you're sort of wait, so is it? It sort of seems to have bred quite a more of a community feel to things. Whilst also people at the topper end of of your group can, you know, they can hit the gas, and we'll all see each other at the coffee shop. Yeah, look, I think that's I think that's definitely the case. Um, and also, you know, we're all so tired because we get up at 
you know, five o'clock in the morning to arrive and everyone just wants coffee afterwards. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a common bond that, you know, if you're a cyclist, you're going to be sleep deprived and you're definitely going to be addicted to caffeine. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice common, common denominator and something to talk about. Um, but it's funny that it's only starting now. You know what I mean? Like back 20 years ago, yeah. would people do this? I is it is it because of like I, I, seeing sports I nowadays think, like CrossFit becoming such a community sport? They're like, yeah. oh shit, this community thing like that yeah. can really pick up. Why don't we create coffee rides and whatever? Yeah, I don't know. What yeah, do you think? I, 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 I think they used to really center around clubs more often. You know, like yeah. um, the the clubs today are really just. Um, the, the kind of legal connection that you have to get a racing license right. because you, you have to be affiliated with the club right. to get a racing license. Um, and, you know, it, I, I think it used to be that formalistic club culture, whereas now there's these sort of groups that hone around bike shops or hone around coffee shops or, yeah. you know, around Facebook groups on social media or, you know, it's it's just a, a new way to connect with people. Yeah. Um, I, I think, as well, mate, I think, like, I remember when I was racing mountain bikes at school, we used to go out training and we literally, it was so cold. This is why we went, but we'd, <laughs> it, it'd be so cold that we'd pull into, in the UK, in the, in the big, you sort of have big national parks and you have a national trust cafe, oh. which is almost like it's part of the park. So the, you used to get like a cup of tea and a bun for basically like two pounds you know okay. like a couple of euros or something like that and we were so damn cold that we'd always pull in so maybe it's actually not such a new concept before we're pulling in to save our lives um but now we're sort of <laughs> pulling in to create this thing around community I, th- I think you're right man i think a lot of sports have gone a little bit more sort of community driven and yeah. cycling is the same because cycling and, and i'm sure you'll have some thoughts on this bridget cycling can be quite a lonely sport if you're if because Everyone is so different. Some people are better at climbing. Some people are good on the flats. You know, so to actually get good training with people, and it's quite an individual sport to a certain extent, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think it is. Obviously, when you race, there's there's team dynamics, but it yes. is largely an individual sport. And you're right. Everybody has their own um, their own strengths and, and their own training programs, you know. So I guess that's, you know, why everybody sort of seems to – there'll be a particular ride that has a particular focus and right. you know you'll go on that particular ride and you know that you're you're going to get spat out back um whereas on a friday you know that you'll go on a particular ride and, and you might not get spat out back and just sit around and have an hour long coffee at the end of it yeah so it makes it yeah it, it's 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 different and i think that's giving people sort of different reasons and motivation for getting into it let's jump let's keep that thought after you did your 230 initial ride <laughs> And wound up with quite a sore bottom. What <laughs> probably woke up the next morning walking a little bit funny. What was your sort of, what was your, how how did your cycling story start to unfold after that? Well, I think you know I I, I joined Friday Coffee Rush, <laughs> and and as I say, you, know, you just start meeting new people. Like every ride you go on, you meet a, a new person, and and I just happened to have this small community of people who. Um, knew what racing was about and said, hey, you know, like, you're actually kind of strong. You should try this racing caper. You know, and I remember going out. Our, our winter road season is um, it's really cold. Like, really? all the races are held. Australia. They're held. Yeah, so, so we have, um, Andre's from Denmark. I'm from Sydney. They think, they think that Australia is hot 24-7. They think it's just an oven. 
<laughs> so, so over the, over the summer, we have criteriums. So they are, they're my favourite kind of races. They're like an hour at full gas sort of sprint at the end. Okay. And, you know, you could be racing in 40 degrees um, in, in crit season. And that's when all the pros come home as well. So we have all the nationals and, you know, the big UCI races down here. Um, then when the plebs get to do their road season, um, is generally between um, April and November. Yep. And, you know, the further you get out of Melbourne, the colder it gets. So you go out to these, like, towns an hour or so out of Melbourne and it's like one or two degrees, there's frost on the ground, you know, oh. and you're lining up on the start line going, why am I not in bed? Why am I signing up like, 90 kilometres at full gas? Wow. Um, so I, I was pretty unsuspecting when I went out there the first time and, um, you know, there was about four women um, lined up in this race and um, my friend said, oh, come on, you should do it. Um, and, and, you know, you just get the bug and... I think with the cycling, you either like it or you love it or you don't. And yeah. you start racing and you either get that kind of competitive bug of saying, hey, like I got dropped today. Tomorrow I want to, you know, well, the next race I want to finish. And then, you know, hey, I came fourth. I really want to get on the podium next time. And then you're on the podium and you go, hey, I want to stand on the top step, you know. What is it exactly sorry. in cycling like that that attracts people so much? Because it sounds so lonely. It's like for me, it sounds like swimming. This is why I need you, Bridget. Because these guys do not get it. <laughs> it's look. It's lonely, but it's it, it's the most isolated sport within a social context. You know, you you yeah. could be on this hike okay, that makes three sense. or four hour race. It's two degrees out. You know, all the people around you are trying to shell you out the back. But there's just this. I don't know. There's this magic about it, and yeah. um. It's 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 really good fun, and I often describe it sometimes as like being on a roller coaster and burning calories while you're doing it. You know, like you get to have the fun of like you know, especially if you're mountain biking or racing cross, you get to have the fun of of being on a bicycle and you know, feeling the wind in your face and kind of descending down mountains and you know, but then you're actually working for the pleasure as well. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's actually why a lot of I mean, we're seeing over here in the Middle East as a I would, I would say an alternative midlife crisis to smoking a load of cash on a Ferrari or on a massive golf course membership where, yep. you know, on the golf course here, every three or four holes, they have a bar. So guys will go out and play golf and end up having maybe, I don't know, eight beers. And yeah, yeah you, you sort of, you, your heart rate is elevated and it can be elevated to an incredibly high level if you decide it. And I think, I think you, something you've touched on there, Bridget, as well is that it's quite addictive you know you get spat out the back on your first ride and you're like well i don't want that to happen again because as human beings we're all quite competitive aren't we so mm. you know and then it's like oh i actually finished in the bunch today oh i was actually up at the top and i think that's even i mean it's a lot more obviously you've done a lot of, of, of road racing but even even when i'm riding with my mates i still want to smash them in the last game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um so i think i think that's actually what brings it something quite unique as well is that it's very easy to progress it it's easy to progress right. track it yeah yeah and it's, it's it sort is. of you know and it, and it's fun as well because like you said bridget maybe we'll get into a little bit of the team racing like the team racing tactics are something that is like it's like chess in a way really isn't it yeah. you know talk to us a little bit about your <laughs> yeah. experience in, in in team racing 
Um, so, I mean, it's it's really hard to explain how cycling teams work, but yeah. you know, I'll give you an example, an example from a criterion race. So, in a criterion race, it's an hour at full gas, and there's going to be attacks off the front. You know, you want your sprinter there for the sprint points, and you want your sprinter there for the finish line. So, um, you know, your teammates, while they're in the race for themselves, they're also going to protect the sprinter um, in a criterion race to make sure that, you know, if the sprinter gets dropped, someone might go back and get them. But even, you know, there might be a false attack off the front to make other people tired and the sprinter can sit in um, and do not not much work for a while while everyone's off having an attack, knowing that the bunch will bring it back. Um, you know, and so there's all these what, what we call kind of fake attacks or, you know, you, you have a crystal pedal off the front, um, which is sort of like you look like you're having an attack, but you're not really having an attack. Um, you know, and there's, there's a sort of thing of, you know, if you're sitting on the front of a bunch, you're doing most of the work. So if one of your teammates who's good at a time trial, for example, if they get away in a break with one or two people and their teammates on the front of the bunch, their teammates are going to sit up and, and just say, you know what, I'm not dragging this bunch up to my teammate in the breakaway, I'm yeah. going to let her have a have a fair crack in that breakaway. And if somebody else wants to pull a bunch of 30 other, other riders up to that breakaway, it's going to be somebody who's not on the team. Yeah, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you guys kind of can slow down the bunch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you effectively slow down the bunch because you sit on the front with the brakes on. And, you know, <laughs> you're on the front. So they, they generally say if you're on the front working 30% harder than the person behind you. Yeah. Really? So, you know, yeah. yeah. So the guy sitting behind you is saying, well, I don't want to do any work. I'm going to wait till I'm going to let you pull me up to the, to the break yeah. um, and, and sit here and have, you know, a 70% effort. But if the person on the front isn't actually trying because their mates in the, um, in the breakaway, it's going to be somebody from the bunch who's going to have to come around and, and, and do the work and pull, pull the bunch back to the break Um by themselves, and so there's always this sort of, as you say, Mark, it's a chess game about, yeah. okay, well, what rider is going to bury themselves working 30% harder than the rest of the bunch to pull 30 people up to a break and then be too tired for the sprint or the next attack? <laughs> it's brutal, um, isn't it? So that, yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's sometimes why you want to have a team because you might have a team member who's like, well, I know I'll never be there in a sprint finish, yeah. but... I'll, I'll do a whole lot of that work to, to make sure that our teammates who are um, specialists in, in the sprint uh, are, are there in the end. And then when you get into the winter road race season, you know, the sprinters might protect the climbers until they get to the bottom of the hill and then literally sit up um, and let the climbers take, take the win. Um, it's, it, but it's the same as well on, on, on a climb. You might have one climber in your team who is kind of is there to set the pace, so he'll murder himself for the mm. first 8Ks of a 10K climb and he's literally yeah. gassed out at 8K, yeah. and then the team will come through. You see it a lot, obviously. Well, Chris Froome's different because he takes drugs, but, you know, it's <laughs> not, And that's something we want to talk about. But uh, last year's Tour de France, uh, Lander just used to sit on the front for Chris Froome till yeah. somewhere about 1K or 2K to go. And actually, Lander was still fresh, but they didn't let him win. But that's also a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's quite... So what... What's your specialty then, Bridget? What are you a sprinter? Tell us a little bit about what you do the best. 
Uh, well, I, uh, I weigh 70 kilos, so I'm definitely a sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I love climbing hills, but I, I, I don't prefer to be a climber. So my my favourite discipline is, is crits and, and sprinting and, um, and mountain bike and CX uh, over the winter. Um, and as I say, you know, I, I take part in road racing over the winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not my specialty. But I, um, I just love that adrenaline and aggression that you get in the final sprint and yeah. you know I, I love i love the chess games and a crit it, it's just it's great fun it's good fun for, for non-cyclists like this is like super surprising that there's so much you know strategy and you know whole team like yeah i never really thought about the whole team part of it but now it sort of makes sense when you mentioning chris Froome and all those like I also watched Tour de France, but I don't really understand like how it kind of works with all the teams. And all right, this guy always wins, but his teammates never get to win. No but idea. the team sort of wins <laughs> yeah. still. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I still don't really understand. You know, I, it, it takes years to understand um, how something like the Tour de France works. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. You know, there's still bits <laughs> and I sit there and go, "How did that happen?" Yeah, you know, it's. You've got to watch years and years and years of Grand Tours. You can't get it. Yeah, that's why I was lucky. Dad used to make me watch Tour de France from when I was about nine. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I kind of get a bit of a grip on it. But it, it's that's also why cycling is quite an interesting sport for for everyone. And that's that's actually why I'm I'm really enjoying. Even over here, we have quite a few uh, female amateur cycling teams coming through. The guys at Wolfies have one, and the the girls there are super strong. We actually train a couple of the girls from that team. And it's awesome because they're all so different. And I think that's one of the greatest things as well. Like you said, Bridget, like there's there's all sorts of different people within a team. So we can be very it's, – it's almost like a, a, a soccer team where, you know, you've got a good goalkeeper, you've yep. got a striker, you've got a midfield player. You know, we'd have a climber, we'd have a sprinter. We'd have a guy that in the team or a girl in the team that can just sit on the front for – two hours and just murder themselves you know just to kill everyone else basically <laughs> so so no matter how you're built or i mean yeah you can get into cycling you, yeah you can mate yeah absolutely yeah and I, and I think that's one thing that that's super that's why it's exploding have you have you seen you, you've been in cycling sort of for the last six or so years down in australia bridget have you seen a massive explosion of cycling for both genders in in, in the last few years yeah, yeah, I have, but it, particularly with women. Um, yeah. the, the, they say down here the saying that says cycling is the new golf, yeah. um, you know, and, and that it is that way for, you know, the middle-aged business businessmen to make contacts now, and it is the way that, you know, young people kind of get together on the weekend and, and play sport. Yeah, um, nice. And it's, it's and maybe it's a result of, you know, the cool kits and yeah. social media presence and everything, but... It just seems like it's not, you know, these dorks riding around and, and like her on the roads getting in her own way anymore. And that it's actually, you know, it's an accepted part of the community and, you know, it's, it's a really cool sport to be part of. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really fun to see that. Like now you see skinny dudes like rocking up with a self-confidence like a yeah. bodybuilder like <laughs> in those really tight pants and like 10 years ago I would just be like what are you doing what are you, you doing? can't carry yourself I, um, like I, that I, man I, like do you even lift and now it's like <laughs> how many watts can you put out for like one hour buddy yeah. <laughs> exactly I, I took my best friend to um, to a, a Rafa Club house um, for a cup of coffee and, and yeah. we just happened to be there in, in what I call city so normal yeah. clothes at yeah. the time when everyone tried to finish 
and she literally said to me, she's like, Bridget, there are all these men basically naked in here. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are they walking around a cafe naked? Yeah. Like, it's, it's just a thing. It's, yeah, it is quite, it, it's quite strange, but I think, as, as you've alluded to a couple of times there, Bridget, like, the, 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 the style of the lycra that's coming out yeah. now and you know your your team has like a really cool instagram page and anyone who's who's, who's listening in black sheep steiner go and check these girls out their instagram page and that's actually what i asked bridget before we started recording i was like are you guys a pro team and she goes no we look very good on instagram which they do but your kit looks so cool the photos are so cool and i think for anyone that was potentially wanting to get into this sport they'd be like yeah this is cool and and there's hot chicks as well (laughs) it's uh but i think it's true what you said as well andre like i think I think before we'd look maybe a little bit at cyclists and go, uh, look at that skinny dude. But I think now that our, probably we're less ignorant than we were before and we understand sort of what it feels like to have your heart rate at 95% of your max for one hour or what it feels like to put out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I think there's a, a, a real newfound respect for these guys. Yeah. And I mean, when I started cycling, road cycling, three or four years ago i i got quite humbled as well i was like these these guys really like what's what's yeah. gonna happen like you know me I'm, i work out you know what i mean that's why she says and then i started falling off and i'm like wow and they can take and i think that's one of the craziest things and i can't remember um someone's one bike book i was reading recently it'll come to me soon and they're like this guy painted it in that way and he said and these guys fall off often, and the number of broken bones in cycling is pretty much more than most sports out there. And uh, well, I, I think you and I actually started talking because I had the same injuries you about four years ago. That's right. Um, yeah. Lots of broken bones. Yeah, exactly. So, no, it's it, it it is absolutely crazy the way it goes. One thing that we did touch on there, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on, because. Uh, I like the way that you say it straight, Bridget, is drugs in cycling. We've seen a lot. We saw Lance Armstrong. We saw, I mean, back in the day, 1967 on 112, Simpson died from having too much recreational drugs in his system. We've now got Froome on charges, basically. We've got Wiggins on charges, previous Tour de France winners, British athletes and icons. What's your thoughts about drugs in cycling to start with? Um, I do say it like it is, and I'll say it, it's starting to bore me because it's just it's, it's a boring it's a boring topic because there's too much of it. But yeah. uh, look, I think the you know it's, it's a result of the fact that it is a professional sport. Yeah. There's money in it. There's sponsors in it. The teams are wanting to be the best of the best, and, and yeah. they want to push that human condition you know beyond what it's naturally capable of and um you know the 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 games on a 20 you know a three-week race um you know when the difference between first and second over three weeks and how many thousands of kilometers in the tour de france can come down to four seconds you know having that extra you know half a watt per kilogram for two days might make all the all the difference um and yeah i mean sorry I think it's it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I'm not sure it's ever going to go anywhere um, yeah. because cycling at that top level and especially in the Grand Tours just demands something from the human body that yeah. is, is not, it's not yeah. natural. Yeah. Well, they're, they're unable to do it naturally, and I think that's why 
it started back in the day with recreational drugs, right? Mm. Well, I, I think, think they used to take, take you know, know, cocaine and speed yeah. and stuff just yeah. to get the- <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and also alcohol. I think a lot of um, a lot of the uh, sort of the early Tour de France's were fueled by by alcohol, by these guys picking up a drink along the way. Um, and then top get, loading. Yeah, basically, yeah. And then, yeah, getting hold. When uh, when they sort of did a post-mortem on, on Simpson after he died on Mon Von 2, they said essentially that, well, he had... He had drugs, recreational drugs, in his cycling jersey. And I think one of the reasons, I have to maybe check a little bit in Google to find out the exact reason why he died, but his stomach basically just sort of caved in from having so much drugs inside it. So, yeah, true story, man. And that's, that's 1967. So that's why That's why also I'm, I'm a little bit alarmed that people are going today, oh, oh do, you think, do you think Wiggins took drugs? Like, hmm. you know, another story's come out. Yes, I do think Wiggins took drugs. Like, you know, whether he used... And, and that's where the, the, the sort of grey line is or the fine line is, this therapeutic use exemptions. What's your yeah. thoughts on yeah. that, Bridget? What, 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 what's, what's a drug and what's a, yeah. Yeah, what's a vitamin? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what, what do you think? Do you think they should be allowed or do you think it... What's the story? Um, look, I think the problem is that, you know, it's it's like any drug. The, the laws are only going to catch up years beyond the product coming onto the street. Yeah. So, you know, in an ideal world, um, athletes, I think, could be tested and, you know, could be clean. But when you have people, again, who are driving for, driving for gains and driving for success and, you know, with technological advancements, they're, they're always going to stay ahead of... The rules, yeah, um, and you know, what is what, what is a drug? Is a drug something that is you know a formulation that's not currently illegal? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's. It's a bit heartbreaking, but I think it's the reality of the yeah, sport. Um, what do you see? Do you, I mean, do you see or do you want to speak about, if you don't know, Paul, on, on an amateur level in Australian cyclists? Do you see or do you feel there's much use of, of banned substances? Uh, look, I, I don't think so. There's certainly a lot of people who race the sheep stations. Yeah. Um, do, do, do you know what that saying means? No. Um, Andre, <laughs> my wife's Australian, it's, so... Out. Yeah. It's, it's the sort of thing where you say, you know, look, we're, we're in a Saturday morning criterion yeah. um, racing for 50 bucks, yeah. but you would have thought you were racing for the, you know, the Perry Roubaix. Okay. Like yeah. I know those. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's that thing where you know everybody everybody's got the gear and you yeah. know what I mean the gear. I mean you know, the bikes and wheels and yeah. you know and, and and it's there's attitude and there's a lot of competition. A lot of people take their racing very very seriously. But you know I I think most people are pretty sensible about it and they know that. You know, cycling isn't their professional life. Um, yeah. You know, and if you if you take those kind of substances, you're probably gonna you know, compromise the rest of your life. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what yeah, makes me saddest. Uh, I, I think maybe, I don't know, in, within the Middle East, but I do sense that in certain sports that are quite amateur or certain amateur races, globally there is an increase in the use of drugs, which I think is a is a is more of a waterfall effect from the, um, from the professionals because people are looking up to these pros and they're like, well, they're using it, why can't I use it? In any sport. In any sport, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's very sad. It's very sad. Let's look a little bit to the bigger picture here. We still see only really globally male cyclists covered 
I could not tell you who, the, through my ignorance probably, I couldn't tell you who the best female cyclist in the world is. What's your thoughts on that and where's it going to go? Is it, you know, a women, is women cycling, is there any chance it's going to catch up to males? Are we going to see more coverage of a female Tour de France? I don't even know if there is one. Again, excuse my ignorance on that. <laughs> Um, look, how do I feel? I, I feel really positive about it at the moment. Um, yeah. I don't think women's cycling will, or any women's sport, will ever be equal in men's sport because right. it's not the it's not the way the world works. But yeah. you know, right now at the moment, you've got you know you've got the Times Up and the Me Too campaigns that you know they're getting a lot of press. You've got yeah, a recognition that like the lack of women at the top of you know in, on boards and you know the top yeah. of industries is not through. Um, a, a lack of talent in the women in the pool of women that yeah. it's through um, it, it's, it's through the structure of, of um, any profession and, and I, I think there's a recognition flowing through to professional sport of that as well yeah. um, you know there's this changing definition of you know in my own profession there's a changing definition of what makes a good lawyer so you know right. it used to be a tall man with a big voice and grey hair and hot belly you know and, <laughs> and, and now it's you know now people are accepting that you know you can be a good lawyer if you're a female yeah and you know i think that there, there's been a bit of an attitudinal shift and it's still got a bloody long way to go but yeah. you know you're you're starting to see um, that female professional cyclists are becoming marketable products because effectively professional sport is, is, is all about can you market this athlete yeah. so sponsors can make money out of it. Um, and, you know, I talked before about the, the, the Tour Down Under. We had um, the women's Tour Down Under here um, sort of the, the, the days before the men's Tour Down Under. Yeah. And it was a really exciting race. Like, it was more exciting than the men's race. Yeah. Um, and they announced at the end of the Tour Down Under that next year they're going to have equal prize money for the women's race as wow. for the men's race. Wow. Um, which is awesome. And, you yeah. know, like, my local club credit that I do every Saturday morning has the same thing. You know, wow. if you win an A-grade women's credit, you get 80 bucks, just like the man who wins the A-grade men's credit. That's and, very and I cool, think, huh? you know. It, it, that, that kind of thing is what encourages that shift in the paradigm of, yeah. you know, um, these women are like boss ladies. You know, if you watch <laughs> some of these professional women races, um, you know, and, and it's really hard to find them. You've got to find them on YouTube channels. Um, yeah. But we, we have this sort of underground network of women on social media, you know, sharing stuff. Um, you know, here's, here's the YouTube channel to watch this, you know, this women's race that's going on this weekend. And everyone gets behind it and really um, is starting to kind of get a following um, of these women. And I yeah. think, you know, the, the explosion of Instagram and, and social media over the last few years has meant that female cyclists can, can actually um, – I guess market themselves as professionals and, and have their sponsors market them yeah. so that they are seen by the the wider population who isn't going to go mining around for a YouTube channel to watch a, a, yeah. a race. Yeah. Um, and you asked about the Tour de France as well. So um, this year they had a women's Tour de France and it was a two-stage tour. Is that so, the first time? Sorry? Is that the first time they have a Tour de France for women? Um, I think... Thinks so they had um, they had sort of a, a one day race last year, right. um, and I'm not sure of the history of that. But this year they sort of had a two a two day race, um, right. and it finished on one of the mountains that the men's stage um, finished on, or, or went through that that same day. So that there was the caravan was already up there and so forth. And you know the, the women who fought up that bloody mountain, you know, it was a really really exciting race. Um, yeah, right. you know, it was mountain top finish and. Um, 
it just it just is going to take people to start sitting up and saying, hey, um, the definition of what makes you know a professional sports person that I want to watch, um, it, it can change and yeah. it is changeable. I think, and I think people like yourselves, like you know, in cycling and involved in it and promoting it and and that i think that sort of gathers the momentum and i also think you came up with a really good point there is that the way that we actually consume content has changed a lot and going forward it might just be that youtube link that will you know and that youtube link will spread further on social media and we'll get a lot more people watching a woman's race because it doesn't i mean like it or not a woman's race doesn't attract the sponsors that you know your sort of sky team attracts at the moment and and i think i think you're right i think it's gonna be a long time before it catches up but i'm i for one would be super interested to watch a woman's bike race yeah i mean you know it's uh we actually the world championships in qatar last year we went to watch the men because it was split over two days but monty again he was there for for the women's race he said it was a great race um Mm. so yeah i'm sure he was there for the the race itself <laughs> yeah not for um, the women <laughs> yeah we'll see he's really passionate about cycling cycling and, <laughs> and every, everything that goes with it the tie stuff but uh, anyway we're, we're pretty much out of time there that is a lot of super inspiring information bridget you're inspiring for for, for what you're doing and 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 sort of getting involved in cycling and i, and I think you know, I've had the similar conversation that we've just had with a lot of people about why cycling is special and how it becomes addictive. But the way that you put it across there, I'm sure, is going to inspire and, and motivate quite a few people to perhaps, you know, trade up the sweaty gym T-shirt for a nice bit of Lycra. Yeah. Andre, you? Yeah, I so. I actually have bike uniform. Bike uniform? Or whatever it's bike called. Uniform. <laughs> I have, like, one of those map, whatever. Yeah, like, you have some Dude, it's like here. 1,000 dirhams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. socks. Monty sold it to you. He sold me the socks too. <laughs> How many pairs of socks did he sell you? Uh, yeah, a few. Yeah. He, it's actually quite funny because one day he brought in some of his old cycling jerseys and gave them to Carmen. Oh, yeah. Who's one of our coaches. And they didn't fit her. <laughs> so, yeah they're a little bit too small poor poor old monty he used to he was actually the guy that just used to turn up every morning he used to cycle because the bike shop's quite close to to the gym here and he'd cycle in from his house and just come in for a shower and he'd be the guy that'd stand at the door all sort of 65 kilos of him max <laughs> in, his, in his lycra <laughs> chest pumped out whilst everyone else is just lifting barbells and twice the size of him and just didn't care at all so <laughs> that's good times bridget we really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to speak to us very inspiring as i said what you're doing and people i suggest you check bridget out on her instagram is it this is right b-e-s-n-z Correct. And then over at Black Sheep Steiner, S-T-I-N-N-E-R is her team. If nothing else, like we've said a couple of times, they are nice-looking girls and they're wearing lycra. <laughs> you guys should definitely go and check And some of you girls should definitely go and we sound a little bit perverse there as well. That's probably against iTunes policy, but who cares? Mate, you actually inspired me to come down for the uh, for that festival down in Adelaide. Drink coffee, ride a bike in the day, and maybe party a bit at night. Dre, you in? Yeah. When uh, when is it? Is it like January? So it's even good it's weather as well. The, the third week of January. You've got to do it. There we go. We might have to do it. We might have to make that a trip for next year. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> 
Excellent. Bridget, Excellent. thank you so much for your time, sweetheart. We will keep in touch and we'll follow your progress and all the best. Thank, thank you. you. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.